thing I'm really tired of is like the thought. We never try to come up with clever titles for our no, 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 never. But, but like, (laughs) like the ones that are like trying to be all, I don't know. Like this one is father of. I don't. don't, That bugs me. The father of the inventor of. I guess this one was Gizmodo, and it was the father of the internet has a plan to future-proof computers. Who's the father of the internet? Well, in this case, it's one of the contributors, Vint Kerf. Oh, Vint Cerf? Is yeah, it Cerf? Cerf, Kerf. I Kerf and Cerf. Surf, but. <laughs> Kerf and Cerf. <laughs> hey, Kerf and Cerf, the internet. <laughs> God. Oh, where's my soundboard? Do I have like a, I need a bad, I need a, uh, what's the bad joke sound? What's the sound of rotten tomatoes smashing it on someone? <laughs> I don't know. Splat. Yeah. Curse splat. <laughs> So, okay. Uh, yeah. So the father in it has some words of wisdom for us. He's, the article goes on to say, he's, he's often referred to as one of the founders of the internet. These days, the decidedly father figure-esque surf still cares about the network he helped create. Oh, he's, he's very fatherly, maternal. Uh, but yeah, that, it's just a, the, art, the title of the article is all that kind of bugged me. I kind of hate reading stuff like that. But anyways, he just goes on to give us some words of wisdom, which we all know, which is don't, don't put your entire life online not not because not because of the privacy or anything like that but because it's all digital it's a collection of ones and zeros there's nothing tangible to carry on to the future once that once that medium dies it's dead so true yeah so he says he says you should print your photos if you want to say them I did see this. I actually read that. Because he goes yeah. on to say, without tools to interpret a particular thought from it, all you have are, is, is, all you have saved is an indecipherable list of ones and zeros. Which is true. I mean, you and think how, about history and you, and you think about like the pyramids and things like that. And you have all these hieroglyphs and things on the walls. And you think about today and, you know, a good portion of our history and our accomplishments would probably be lost because it's all digital. And how many people do you know who basically have lost like all of their pictures when their iPhone broke or they dropped it in the toilet or something Yeah, because they didn't back anything <laughs> up. They didn't print anything out. Uh, the damn toilet monster keeps eating phones. It's bad. Yeah. It's an epidemic. There should be laws against it. <laughs> <laughs> laws against dropping your phone in the toilet. Yeah. It makes, I mean, many- I think the punishment of destroying your phone is probably sufficient. Don't you think? I don't know. Everyone backs up their phones because everyone's everyone's used to getting a new phone every year or two years, depending on your preference. Mm. So everyone has it somewhere, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think we should have some of these things somewhere else. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start buying just blocks of granite and chiseling my life story into, my, into monuments in my backyard just so people will remember I was here. Mm. That sounds like an excellent idea. Yeah. Little statues of me. Maybe make a yeah. fountain out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, for some reason, I don't think that was what Mr. Surf was referring to. <laughs> hey, I'm just taking the idea and running with it. Uh, hey, but, you yeah. know, but you know, in, in the days of, of wearables, maybe, maybe I'll just make a bunch of necklaces with my name and stuff like that. You know, like the rappers do just have big old John the Santiago on it. Mm. Yeah. See, that'll be my, my, my legacy. There you go. Diamond bling. So I found a, um, an, another example of some fine journalism that I like to, this is just, this is, I need a, a segment jingle for, for calling out crappy journalism because, uh, that's about all there is anymore. The, journalism's dead. There are no editors. 
Anyway, so this was in, um, I think it was in Forbes. And the title is, uh, Increasing Competition in Cloud May Temper Salesforce's Revenue Growth in Q4. So it's just some speculative article about stock, but here's some of the interesting things. So it says, uh, most of the products and updates released by Salesforce during the quarter were add-ons that have been made available to existing licensees for no additional costs. Therefore, Salesforce's revenue growth in the fourth quarter is expected to come from existing revenue streams. Okay, makes sense. But further down in the article, it says, the introduction of Wave Analytics Cloud and Salesforce One Lightning Platform during the third quarter is expected to have contributed to revenue expansion in the fourth quarter. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you continued because I was about to, I was about to, you know, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, did did no one read that entire article as a as a whole to notice that discrepancy? No, no, they just they just saw Salesforce, Salesforce positive at the end. Yeah, go for it, print it. So here, okay, same article. Uh, software behemoths Oracle and SAP have been rapidly making their presence felt their cloud offerings. <laughs> First of all, this thing, I, I read that as it is, which is just, it's full of grammatical errors and like missing words and stuff. Anyway, the next part is what I actually meant to go uh, to demonstrate. So consequently, Salesforce, which had so far been competing primarily with Workday in the CRM sector, may not be the biggest shark in the ocean for much longer. Well, well, so the thing that was wrong with that is Workday is not in the CRM sector. (laughs) Then Salesforce does not compete with Workday. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (sighs) Um, Yeah. I I think that's what happens when when, um, analysts are just in between quarter numbers and they just they have to print something and they're just coming up with anything. Well, yeah, they I mean, I think there's been as soon as with Mike with uh, I'm sorry, uh, Salesforce you know, announcing wave availability for mobile devices, which is kind of what, what's kind of spurring, I think a lot of the, that stuff. Uh, there's an article, Salesforce and Oracle square off on analytics, you know, just all these little things of, of just, you know, the, they, they love the, the kind of big guys going head to head. They just want to create that drama. Yeah. You want to build that tension. Well, I mean, as long as, as long as they're doing it accurately, I'm fine with that. And, but, some of the, I mean, you're right though. I think they they just get paid per words or, or they're in some kind of job where they, they have to post, you know, a certain number of articles per day. And so they're just basically go out and going out and, uh, accumulating press releases. And also if you've noticed this, I feel like they just go read what everyone else has written and then they, and then they summarize it. You'll, I mean, you'll read something in Forbes and then in TechCrunch, and they, it's like all these articles are basically the same. Like everyone's just copying everyone. No one's, no one's actually doing any, research or investigation i think that's because there's nothing there i mean they're they're oh there's gotta be a lot there's a lot there they're taking they're taking the opportunity to kind of take a small snippet of information that came out about a company and then just kind of try to draw all these little lines and throw things in the wall to see what sticks to to somehow be interesting or seem profound that as if there's some kind of true analyst but I mean, Salesforce is a, is a $6 billion company. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff they could be digging in and trying to get angles on and learning more about it. I mean, heck, find out something about Wave. No one knows anything about Wave. The, look, the only Wave articles you read are basically just packaged uh, press releases. Yeah. No one, I mean, there's very little information on it. Yep. TechCrunch. Uh, to the point, it's almost, it's almost scandalous at this point, Wave is. Yeah. I agree. But no, but nothing, you know. Um. So I found another interesting, this is on the street, says Salesforce's cloud dominance is over. 
It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! It's take over. profits now ahead of their earnings. They're telling you to take your profits now. Which is interesting because Salesforce, right before we started recording, just released their, uh, it would be their Q4 of 2015 results. So we get to talk about that. Uh, Isn't that exciting? It is. Oh, and, and when we get to that. Is that today? Oh, whoa. It got a drama sound effect. Oh, that's today, huh? <laughs> oh man, this episode's going to be fun. Okay. Um, so Salesforce.com may be still regarded as a young cloud darling, but the company is slowly losing out to the traditional software powers, namely Microsoft. And if Salesforce is not careful, it may soon find itself on the outside looking in at a market it once disrupted. I actually think that's... How so, though? How, how is Microsoft breathing down their neck right now? Okay, so let me, let me see if there's any good numbers in here. Um, Okay, so you know, first of all, Salesforce's stock has underperformed the Dow and S and P uh, for the for the past twelve months, and Salesforce is one of the worst performing stocks in some blah 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 thing. Um, the market has begun to realize that companies like Microsoft are gaining ground, even though Salesforce's Salesforce grew uh, cloud revenue over thirty three percent last year. Uh, under new CEO Satya Nadella, Microsoft has emerged as a legitimate cloud threat. Okay, so here's the interesting part. Oops, mm. sorry, bumping my desk, growing its commercial cloud revenue by 114% year over year. So that's one thing that I've heard people talking about is how sales, uh, Microsoft's cloud revenue still is growing like mirrors. crazy. I mean, yeah, Microsoft's under new leadership. It's an exciting topic. There's things actually happening and they're actually doing some really good things and people want to draw the lines and go, uh-oh, Microsoft is back in form. They're, watch out for your industry because they're going to come back and come take it. I just don't, I just don't see it. They still have well, a long way to go, I think, before they can they can impact Salesforce. Well, they already are impacting Salesforce. I mean, that, it's one of their main competitors. So to say that it's the question is to what degree are they going to impact Salesforce? And you know, this is this race. Um, I don't know, uh, but anyway. So you know, and I think this includes Office three sixty five, Azure, and like and their online SaaS products like Dynamics CRM. But that that group has is growing at a, you know, 114% clip. That's, uh, that's, that's fast. And it's, in fact, it's, so uh, let's see. Uh, okay. So not only did the, did this mark the sixth consecutive quarter of triple digit cloud revenue for Microsoft, but the company has now established an annual run rate of $5.5 billion for its commercial cloud business, making it not only a legitimate threat to Amazon's dominance. Now they had, now they they really have a long way to go for that, um, but also to Salesforce.com's customer relationship management business. Um, I, I mean, uh, they're still playing catch up. I mean, I I know they're they're up there, they're up in the top five. I know they're probably neck and neck with Salesforce and probably user base. I just I don't see Dynamics as being as as good a product as Salesforce. I just don't. And I, I honestly, I haven't seen it in gosh, like four years now. So I don't even know how good of a product is. Um, I do know that. One thing that a lot of the ISVs like about it better is you can, when you customize it and, you know, build on top of it, you're basically building on, on .NET, which I would, oh God, I would love to be able to, and not, you know, I mean, I'm not even a .NET fan yeah. necessarily, but oh God, I'd take .NET in a heartbeat over <laughs> Apex. <laughs> Sounds like having a mini wet dream over just getting to develop oh. in something other than Apex. Well, <laughs> the, the wet dream is going to come later when I tell you about this new platform that SAP's got. Oh. Uh, anyway, so, 
Okay, so here we go. So sales, by contrast, Salesforce has begun to suffer from slowing growth. It's the wrong time for that to happen with competition hot on its heels. Um, yeah, so so for th- Salesforce's fiscal third quarter, which was like in November, I think, because their their fiscal their fiscal year starts in February, I think. So that would, would I guess that would be end of Q three. Um, their subscription support revenues grew twenty eight percent year over year, but that's down from the year before. It was thirty six percent year over year. So it's you know they can't grow. I mean, obviously they can't grow you know forty percent a year every year, but their growth is definitely tapering. And that's one thing we've talked about is you know how as that growth tapers and. And particularly in, in comparison to competitors, um, what does that mean for their stock, especially with some of the, uh, the some of the games that Salesforce plays with their stock in terms of like, you know, their the fact that they always are referring to non-gap numbers and uh, the fact that they've you know diluted their stock so much with with all the um, stock compensation. Right. So, you know, it's it's I don't know. There's there's just so much there's so much uh, that's contingent on. The, the revenue growth continuing to be pretty blistering. So, well, we've, we've said it before. I mean, Salesforce is in one of those positions where they, they constantly, constantly got to show some kind of progress because that's, that's what they're, they're built on their growth. Well, and there's also, you know, this marketing race, this marketing war that we've talked about and that's, you know, that's never, never ceasing. Right. I mean, yeah. It's, it's got to be a tiresome pace to always have to put something out. I mean, it's not like they can take some time to relax and, you know, improve on what they have, make it better, all those kind of things. They, they're constantly having to throw new stuff out there. And a lot of it, I think, is they don't know what's going to stick or they don't really know. I mean, I think I think Benioff is good at having, you know, ideas and trying to look into the future and, and figure out how people are going to work and how people are going to buy things and how, how you're going to market and sell to people. He's pretty good at that, but you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know all the answers though. So, you know, they've tried lots of different things and some things have worked better than others, you know, um, social enterprise, right. I don't think that really took off the way they thought it would. And that's just an example. Mm -hmm. Um, some things have done better than others, but I think they've, you know, CR traditional CRM, you know, as we known it for the past 15 years is kind of a, that's a known quantity. It's, um, it's kind of a static thing right nowadays. I mean, all the action is in, um, you know, marketing, uh, the, the, you know, social aspects, you know, big data and analytics. Um, and, and that's where all the innovation is. And that's where like all the acquisition, you know, money has gone. And also I think that's where a good chunk of the newer revenues are coming from. I mean, think about over the past couple of years, what was the big marketing company they bought? Um, was it? No, that wasn't Elko, was it? No, it's Exact Target, right? Oh, Exact Target. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Exact Target. So that so Exact Target's now a big chunk of the revenue. It's like I, I want to say 25%. I'm just making that up, but yeah, I'm just in one acquisition. So that's yeah. that's pretty significant. And and between the in-house R&D and the acquisitions they made related to Wave, I mean, that could end up being especially if it's 40 grand a month. <laughs> that could end up being <laughs> a pretty big chunk of their revenue. Um you know, hopefully it'll be successful so that, so that they do see some return on that because I'm sure they've, uh, well, that's the big gamble for a lot of companies this year is analytics. So yeah, the question is just, you know, how, how, how much is the market ready for analytics? Uh, you know, is it, cause there's, I think there's a lot of, I mean, everyone knows, you know, the big data thing is, is here. Although the big data scam is a huge scam. <laughs> 
uh, there's that, there's that aspect. I do think a lot of the big data stuff is just smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, smart people are figuring out how to, how to take these massive amounts of data and learn things from them. But what, but people like Salesforce and even like Tableau, I mean, just throw any of these kind of mid, mid mark, small and mid market solutions into the mix. Um, I, you know, you can't just like sign up for a service and then expect to go have success and get all these new insights into your business. Like you have to have people. And I think they, I think they, I think these solution providers who are out hawking these solutions, I think they downplay this. I mean, you've got to have people who are, I mean, if not data scientists, at least people who have strong statistics backgrounds and who understand how, you know, and not only that, so there's that part of it, but then there's all the, you know, system part of it. So who, you know, how many people know how to, you know, load billions of records into, you know, Amazon Redshift or something and, you know, and, and make, you know, form queries and do all the things you have to do to, to, to be able to get the performance you need with all this data in, within a price that makes sense within a cost structure that makes sense. And that the value that you're getting from those data insights, you know, outstrips what it costs you to do it. I mean, it's, you know, you, you compare something like that to what the, the scenarios that Salesforce shows, which is, oh, just connect your spreadsheet and then you can pinch and zoom on your phone. Well, that's not the same thing. We're talking about two completely different things, which again, credit to Salesforce, they haven't really, really been calling it big data, right. right? They call it analytics. And that's, I think, I think was a, a, um, a, a purposeful decision to not call it big data. All right. Yeah, I, I I do think it's kind of smoke and mirrors because, I mean, well, you think back on our past, I mean, take Six Sigma, for example, you're I think you were a black belt, weren't you? I, I, uh, I still am a black still belt. Once, a black once belt. a black belt, always a black belt. And that, that was a huge <laughs> undertaking. That was a process not only of data collection, but data analysis. And there was a certain threshold of of, I guess deviation from, from whatever result you're trying to achieve that, that had to be accounted for. And it took a team of people. It took everyone being certified and understanding the process and what they were doing. And that's, that's where I think you'll get value out of your data. It was through, through that type of analysis, right? Not just, Oh, here's a chart of how many opportunities you have and how much they are on a pretty chart. You know, here's a big circle with some lines in it. That's true. I mean, there's a difference between, you know, just visualizing some data in a spreadsheet and, you know, taking billions of records of, of, you know, web click data and learning, learning things from it. Right. And it's just really just a separate thing. And, and I honestly, I still don't know what, what wave is optimized for. I think it's the former. I think it's for people who are using Tableau just to kind of visualize their data and, and maybe, you know, kind of spin it and drag it around or, or slice it into, in ways that, you know, shows you some insight, but it's, it's nothing. I don't think it's going to be anything like, true, you know, big data, data science type stuff. No, I think it's more quick glance, you know, does everything kind of look like it's in the right spot? Meaning, you know, my purple line should be about 50% and my, my red line should be, you know, 1% of my graph and, and, or maybe just identifying some bubble or not bubbles, but some um, patterns in your data that might help you kind of figure things out a little bit, but I don't think it's meant to be a true an analytics is what it's being called. I don't, I don't think it's that at all. Well, again, to clarify, I think it is analytics. I just don't think it's. Well, what is analytics is analytics and analysis of the data and, and coming up with some, I don't know, some true well, thought, thoughts around I don't know, how, how that data was or, or some true predictions around it. 
to Again, be able to see the data the, and to be able to see a trend and be able to, to kind of predict where that's heading. I think it's the, you know, the, in the eye of the beholder type thing. I mean, what analytics is whatever you want it to be, I guess. But I mean, I think traditionally analytics means, you know, basic reports and data visualization. See, I, I don't like treating analytics as, as that kind of global term for just data visualization. Cause that's, that's so, that's just so superfluous, I think, to me, that it, that it represents, that it's come to represent data visualization. So what are, what are the requirements then in order to call something analytics? I don't know. I think maybe putting some thought into it, the, the science behind it, the true analytics, the study of the numbers, maybe the analysis of the trends, all those kind of things, and coming up with meaningful paragraphs of information versus a bunch of pretty charts. You know, some, some kind of result set that tells you a story. Do you remember a couple of years ago when Salesforce um, released what they called advanced analytics at the time? And I think they announced it at Dreamforce and they were going to charge more for it, but then everyone complained. And so they ended up giving it away for free. And it was just a bunch of charts, right? In reports. <clears throat> I don't know. Honestly, I don't remember. I don't remember the details of it, but it was, um, it was just more advanced analytics. But anyway, before, even before they had that, what, Sales, you know, when reports and dashboards in Salesforce, that was, that was their analytics. They called it analytics. Yeah. So again, I'm just, it's and like, even then that frustrated me at the time. I, I remember being frustrated by that, by the use of that term for that. But again, I, I guess, I guess I come in from the perspective that I think data is valuable. I like spending a lot of time with data and massaging it and looking at it and seeing what comes out of it trend wise and all those kind of things. I find that enjoyable. So when when someone wants to boil that down to just a, a bar graph that they want to just quickly glance at for a second, it just, it, it doesn't seem, seem like the benefit versus what it took to get it there is, is, is worth it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I guess I agree. I mean, again, if, uh, there's visualization, which is a really useful thing. Visualization is great for humans. It, it's easy to tell a story. And when you're trying to communicate a certain idea or show something about data, visualization can be great. I mean, you can, show someone the picture and, you know, they get it in within three seconds. Whereas if you don't have visual visualization, it's, it's can be hard to describe to someone in words, this, the same type of thing. Um, I, I agree. I think, I think story is the key word there for me. I, I think I like data to tell a story. And when it's just a chart with a bunch of numbers, it's no different than just having a number on the screen. It just looks prettier. But, but if, again, if you can tell a story, like you have a, a chart of the world and you see a cluster of data in a certain demographic, that's the story right there that tells you that there's something going on in that region or you have a lot of success in that region. And maybe it's something you need to explore, expand out and all those different things. But I think a data that just has a number for the sake of having a number, infographics are probably a good, good example of that. There's some infographics that are really valuable because they tell you a great story. And there's some that just have a picture of a person and it's blue for males for a male number and, and pink for a female number. And that doesn't tell a story. It just, it just kind of highlights one number over another. Well, I think that's marketing people figuring out that they can, they can uh, pl basically plant ideas in people's heads because we're just programmed for that. It's, right. But yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for me, analytics is, you know, if you're doing things like, you know, if you're using statistical tools and, you know, regression analysis and you're looking, you know, when you look at the result or you, you are trying to tell your story, you know, have you looked at, do you know what your confidence levels are and your statistical significance, you know, all that type of stuff. I mean, if, cause if not, then it's an inter interesting story, but it, you're not really, being very, what's the word, like rigorous about it. Um, you know, 
I wouldn't make, I wouldn't make serious decisions on anything where, (laughs) for example, here's, you know, look at, gosh, look at our revenue train. It turns out there's only, you know, there's only 12 data points in, 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 which gives you a a confidence level that's as wide as the Red Sea, right? Yeah. I I guess for me, if, if, if what you get on visualizations is you can be on the golf course and glance at your cell phone and, and see if the line is up or down, if it's down, maybe you should cancel your, 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 your next set of golf and, and go into the office. Versus, you know, hey, spending more time on the golf course and then, hey, yep. right. <laughs> I don't think you're getting, getting what you need, what need out of it. Exactly. All right. Um, let's see what else is going on. Okay. So I do want to, I want to, want to talk about this SAP thing. Um, is that good to do now? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Um, so SAP has, I guess they're, it's their partner. I'm not super clear on this. They're called Hybris, H-Y-B-R-I-S. Um, and I don't exactly understand how they fit into the story. So, cause I, I so I definitely want to do some follow up on this, but <clears throat> here's the, I'll skip down to the salient part here. So, so they have something called YAS, you know, Y A A S something as a service. And I don't even know what that stands for. It, this article actually doesn't explain it, but they say it's, um, it's their business as a platform service and it fills the gap between SAS and pass in an emerging category called B pass, which is a Gartner term. B pass. I wonder what that means. Hang on. Let me see what that means. B- These acronyms are starting to get crazy. I'm sorry. Business <laughs> of huh? business process services segment. I don't even know. Um, anyway. Uh, okay. So here's what's interesting. Uh, YAS is a new business and development platform built on Cloud Foundry, which offers developers freedom in the programming language they want to use, i.e. Java, Node, and here, here we go. Node.is. <laughs> Node.is. Oh, huh? it's the latest. Yeah, it's the latest thing. Oh. Um, Ruby or Grails. Uh, it enables hybrid slash SAP, oh, sorry, hybrid slash SAP to be truly multi-tenant and offer uh, the market's state-of-the-art microservice architecture upon which to develop an ecosystem of SaaS applications and services. Ooh, I like those both words. Microservice. I know. They got a lot yeah. of them in there. But no, it's, it's cool. It's basically, okay. So it sounds here's what, here we go. Sounds like force.com, right? That's exactly what YAS is. SAP's answer to Salesforce is force.com. The YAS stack resembles force.com, but is built on a more robust and technologically current architecture and enables developers to get to market faster. Hmm. Well, if that's true, it's the right move for them because they did try cloud and it didn't do too well, or they tried on demand web-based web-basedifying, I don't know that word, taking yeah. their current tool set and making it web-enabled, Just, yeah, which didn't work out very well for them. So if that's true, that they kind of went back to the drawing board and kind of created Salesforce fr- from the ground up with current technologies, I think that's the right approach. And I, I can't wait to see it. And it, what's weird is, I mean, this is exactly what I've been saying I want Salesforce to do. Right. Let me, let me extend Salesforce and write my Salesforce applications with a better technology stack, not this proprietary one that's never going to be near as good as everything else out there. Yeah. But here's, I don't, tell me if you understand these. So here, here's what sets YAS apart from force.com. Number one, independence from the business domain. Now, I, don't I don't know what that means. Well, I, the only thing I can think of is it means is it's, it's not necessarily tied to your accounts, contacts, opportunities, you know, your, your data model in Salesforce. It can be, but you can do things completely independently from that. Hmm. I don't know. Um, independence from devices, 
I don't really understand. Okay. Pre-build business processes. I don't really get that, but here's the, here's the better one. Non-proprietary that offers freedom of choice in programming languages, underlying database technology, and portability of services and applications between cloud infrastructures. Ding, ding. Yeah. Those are the right words. Exactly. Whether or not that's true, actual true statements, we'll find out. But yeah, those are the right words to use. So I just, I just found this article. Where was this? So people can go find it if they want. Move over Salesforce. Does this not say where it's from? Hang on. We, uh, oh, it's from Instapaper. <laughs> <laughs> and published by Instapaper. Okay, it's Forbes. It's in Forbes. So move over Salesforce. SAP hybrid, yes, is staking claims. Well, that'll, that'll make things interesting. I mean, I mean they will. need some I mean, good competition like that. I mean, right now, no one's really tried to reinvent the Salesforce model. They're, they're playing catch up to the Salesforce model. So it's, it's intriguing to hear someone as big as SAP coming, coming up with something like that. And we'll see. The only problem is, does that mean we have, well, no, it's language independent. Does that mean we get to use whatever language we want? And is everything still going to be in German? German. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we'll have to learn German to program. They like a program while you drink your beer. We will code you (laughs) up. (laughs) (laughs) Those commercials Uh, recently started coming on. They did did not age well either, though. What's that? Oh, Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What are they hawking now? Well, they've aged a lot, dude. I mean, it's been a long time. I know. They keep trying to bring these things back, but the people, the characters that play them have just not aged well. Like like Dumb and Dumber, that that just, I couldn't watch it. I I saw the, the trailers and everything and just them doing those type of things was funny when they were younger, but now that they're older, it's just painful. I, I can't, I can't even bring myself to watch mm-hmm. it. So John, I need to know though, is SAP still the false cloud or are they a true cloud now? It remains to be seen. Have you, have you done any reading or heard about that? There, I don't know if it's Hannah or Hana. It's a H A N A all caps. This technology that SAP has. No, it's, at first I thought it might just be BS because SAP has had a lot of um, kind of false starts on cloud. Right. But it's, it's a, um, so this Hannah, Hannah is a, like a gigantic, like massive, just data center sized service that I guess SAP and all, all your customizations and applications can run. And, and I think more importantly, true big data type stuff runs through. It's like a completely in memory, super high IO, high performance runtime. Yeah. I hadn't heard of it. I just Googled it. So it says is an in memory column oriented relational data database management system designed to handle both high transaction rates and complex query processing on the same platform. Yeah. But they're, but they're basically running SAP on, or I guess you have the option to run your SAP on that now. So, and, and all it's, you know, extensions and applications and everything. And, and more importantly, I think you can do all of your analytics, right? So you can do your, you know, submit like a, uh, like a map reduce type job or something, or, you know, these analytical type jobs. And instead, you know, what used to take a month to run would now, you know, takes, you know, 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yep. Did I already mention that all the wave coverage I've seen has just been so fluffy? It's basically been how, advertisements. How many pictures of people waving have you seen? <laughs> I don't think I've seen that, actually. Have you seen that? Yes, oh, I've seen that. gosh, yes. So I clicked on the one article I had, and I didn't get it at first. That's what it is. Yes, Go to people TechCrunch. waving. Yes. It's this, yeah, all these women in white shirts waving. <laughs> God. 
That's ridiculous. It's not even the right waving. That's a different kind of wave. I know. We're talking Hawaiian. We need some like hula skirt waves and stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. I want some. (laughs) Aloha! Mark, you're a character. But yeah, this this Tech Hunter article, I mean, it's just, it's just an advertisement. And it's, again, and there's no meat there. This, it just is not, there's nothing there. How do you have a, it's like a two page article with, with some good graphics and screenshots, which is pretty much, as far as I can tell, all wave is at this point. But with just, with no, there's actually no information. I mean, they even talk about in here how, uh, you know, something, but we don't know because we haven't actually seen it. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> that's not their job. Their job is to advertise. I guess so. They are PR. All right. What's next? I'm, that's kind of my items for today. I'll have a follow-up on something. Okay. Um, we talked a lot about uh, Internet of Things and things getting smarter, um, but I think we're, we're lacking in certain areas. I think what's next is smart underwear. No. Oh, yeah. I, I, can, I can think of a lot of uses for that. <laughs> Uh, this struck me as funny. I mean, it, it's interesting because we talk about the internet of things, we talk about wearables and we talk about all these things, but if you kind of look at what's been happening lately with things like Kickstarter and what are the other kind of ways to capitalize your ideas, there's a lot of stuff coming out and people are are reinventing the mousetrap left and right. So it, it, we're kind of in this, I want to say almost industrial resol- rev- revolution of technology because everyone's taking everything that was just simple, like a pair of underwear and trying to make something more out of them. Whether it's, you know, putting technology into it and, you know, bells, whistles, buzzings, vibrations, I don't know, or <laughs> the wrong, Vibra- vibrating wrong underwear. word to use when I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. underwear, isn't it? That's not what this is. It's not a, that kind of, kind of smart underwear. Although, hmm. <laughs> I'm going to get my Kickstarter going here. Exactly. Yeah. Give you some entrepreneurial ideas. Yeah. No, but these, these, it was just an article that popped up and I was just like, are you kidding? So now they're calling underwear smart, but all it is, is really just boxer briefs that have different fabrics and different areas that kind of solve the problem of things riding up or being uncomfortable and things like that. But they're labeling them as smart underwear and they're getting like significant amounts of investment for things like this. Like this one is it's, it's Mac Weldon stitches together 4 million in series a funding for a pair of boxers. It's, it's just, it's just amazing that, that things like this are, are getting so much attention and so much backing. Yeah. I don't get it. And there's th- no sensors on it, right? No, no, not as far as I could tell. There's no sensors. It's just a very unique way of combining different fabrics to solve different areas of the boxers that would ride up and things like that. And, and females have seen the same kind of, kind of boost in technology with bras and things like that. And I know that my wife has purchased different things that kind of either the fabrics sit better or feel no, better, better, support you better, better tread carefully here, mister. No, I'm just saying I'm just all good things. I'm not saying anything bad. She even had, had a, um, a, a, um, a sports bra that actually had a built-in connector for her heart monitor. You know, those heart monitors you use for exercising Yeah, the plug in. She even got one of those just for that. And it was apparently more comfortable than wearing the strap, but mm. you know, so there's things like that coming out everywhere. I thought that was interesting. What I find interesting is just kind of. I wonder if they could combine that smart underwear with the, do you remember the Saturday night, Saturday night live skit? Um, oops, I crapped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> they could somehow <laughs> to take that problem <laughs> and, and solve it or somehow improve it with the uh, smart underwear. <laughs> or, or even better underwear, especially for the younger guys that, 
that just, you know, don't want to make it to the laundry, laundry mat all that often. It, it calculates how dirty they actually are. And, and then you can just wear them until the light goes off. Yeah. It's like a gauge on it. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got a gauge with, with analytics attached to your phone. So you can actually see the gauge. Yeah. See, we're thinking here. Yeah, exactly. We're going to make a million dollars. Nobody steal our idea. Such a great idea. I'm sure they'll do really well. I'm sure. I already bought threes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, you, you funded them on Kickstarter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got the super duper silver platinum package. Did you tweet about it? I did. No. I backed smart underwear. <laughs> uh, so where were we last week, man? Huh? I don't know where we were at. Did you know that Salesforce had a party a couple of weeks ago? Um, no. Well, they did. They had like this massive employee party, Pier 48 in San Francisco. Really? Yeah. I need you to cue my intro music. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Salesforce party down with Metallica. Everybody get those right. fingers up. Ooh. So what was this party all about? I have no idea. <laughs> it was apparently a uh, Salesforce employee party, I guess. So it was just one of those company parties. And uh, yeah, Salesforce got his buddies Metallica to play. It's not the first time Metallica's kind of been involved with Salesforce. They did Dreamforce a few weeks, a few, a few weeks, a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I, as Benioff had tweeted, thank you Metallica for performing. And, and then I, I was like, what? So I went and, and looked it up and... I'll put, I'll put the link in the show notes because you really got to kind of check it out because it shows them kind of rehearsing and playing some songs. And I get, it looks like kind of like they're in a, I guess, a trailer. And uh, it's got Benioff headbanging. Yeah. Does it really? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I've watched part of the video. I've, I I've always see. wondered, is Benioff a rocker? Or is he just kind of like hanging out with these guys? You know, because he's, he's into Japan X, you know, Yoshiki, his buddy Yoshiki. And then now he's hanging out with Metallica. And, and in the background, I think when they were talking in between the when they finished playing their kind of little practice set before it cut over to kind of what they did on stage. I, I thought I heard Benioff's there. He was talking about uh, Lars's drum set. Cause he had electric drum set to play with, I guess because he could have the headphones on and he could kind of do what he wants. Yeah. Live. Of course he plays with, you know, actual drums, mm. but um, I, I thought I heard Benioff in the background say something like, I've got a pair of those or I've got some of those. So yeah, some, some little tidbits of information. <laughs> Benioff might be a rocker. So, <laughs> so I thought he might be under Yoshiki for the piano music, the, the, you know, that kind of stuff that, you know, I, I kind of counted him for being kind of this laid back guy. I don't really picture Benioff in a mosh pit. Can you? I don't know. I, I see him as being diverse yeah. in his musical tastes. Now he wasn't like, you know, rocking out, jumping up and down, you know, moshing, but he was kind of just h- hanging out with some headphones, bobbing his head. He was, he was, he was banging it. Yeah. Well, okay. He's better than, than most other Salesforce employees then. And so here we go. I did, I did some of my own journalistic research, John. I went and looked back at the 2011 Dreamforce when Metallica played. Uh-huh. Found some comments. Um, this is like the uh, Metallica fan club president person. Um, he says, after that concert, um, or after the concert, he said, this is a quote, everyone is pretty much just standing there motionless with their cameras out. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a crowd full of Salesforce nerds with their cameras out, you know, documenting. Do- we went to document this experience and put it in a chatter. 
<laughs> I don't think Metallica's ever looked down at the crowd and seen so many ties and clean cuts. So here's some comments from uh, from from the concert that they just did, right? So the one a couple weeks ago. So people are criticizing Lars because he's just, I don't know, he's not very good, I guess. But Ian says, L LOL, criticize Lars all you want. But the only bad thing about this gig was the effing crowd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the love of God, shove those damn phones up your arse. It's really annoying. Why did you pay to see it live when you'll just record it anyway? Um, and then there's a lot of comments about how Metallica really just nowadays sounds like a, a bad Metallica cover band. <laughs> well, I did some research on that. And um, it turns out a few, uh, it's... Uh, the so actually there's a couple of things one i want to make this point first though because i found an article that kind of talked a little bit about it and it gave me a little bit of information that i did not know and it goes this week we saw metallica once once again play a company party for global cloud computing company salesforce the surprise performance apparently was a surprise so apparently the employees went to this party didn't know who was going to be there and guess who was there it took place at Pier 48 in San Francisco on February 9th, thanks to the company's co-founder, Mark Benioff, being neighbors with Metallica's Kurt Hammett, yeah, who's the course, lead guitarist. Of course. So there's <laughs> neighbors. He, was just like, he just like looked over the fence and said, hey, man, I'm throwing a party. You guys want to play? Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll kick you 500 Gs. Exactly. I did the research on that. I was like, how much does it cost to book Metallica? And this wasn't like a one or two song show. This was... 12 songs and two songs as an encore. So that was 14 songs total that they were playing. This was a concert event. Um, so I found some information that said it, it's half a million to book them. So 0.5 wow. grand. I, I found it. another one that said between 750,000 to a million to book them. So either way, half a million got spent on that. Not including, wow. you know, neighbor discounts. Right. Maybe, maybe his kid like knocked out a window in Benioff's house accidentally and Benioff's like, yeah, you're paying, you're playing. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. I'm sure it was like a, a, probably a one of a kind window sourced from some, from rare Hawaiian shells and. Yeah. But interestingly <laughs> enough, apparently the reason they tour so much and do all that is because they have a lot of overhead. They have their own recording studio. They have a lot of employees that they cover. I'm not sure how much they're making on royalties still, or, or if maybe their contract with the royalties is, isn't as favorable as they would like. So they do a lot of live shows. And so they, it's, it's even been reported that by member band members of the band saying, you know, we, we have to, we have to be out there and tour because, you know, that's where we make most of our money from. We've got a lot of overhead to cover. Yeah. I mean, I've been hearing more and more how the music business is returning to its roots. People are, people are performing in order to make money. Right. Um, you know, the gone are the days that you could, you know, release an album and just become, you know, multimillionaires off of it. Yeah. And they do have a new album coming out this year. So of course they're going to be out there touring and trying to get as much exposure as they can for that. They're aging though. They're aging. They're starting to show, show their age, but yeah. I mean, so what percentage of Salesforce employees do you think are Metallica fans? That, that was the curious thing for me. I think surprisingly a lot. I think everyone kind of knows Metallica and they've, they've gone mainstream enough that everyone kind of at least knows one, one song or two that they can sing along to. In fact, in some of the videos that they had from this article, and I'll post this article, you could see some of the employees, they got their hands up, they're, they're rocking out. Some of them are in ties. I, it looked like it might've been a family event. Like you could bring family because it looked like I saw some younger kids or at least really short guys in the audience <laughs> and they were wearing ties and things. So I'm assuming it was like a company party and people dressed up for it. Of and course. then 
And then Metallica shows up. Any Salesforce event is going to be a bunch of suits and sport coats. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was unlike any footage you would normally see of, of, of a Metallica concert. You know, usually you see the, the headbangers, you have the mosh pit going, you got long hair being thrown everywhere. No, this was, you see the back of a lot of clean cut guys or balding guys. Everyone's all dressed up in cert and kind of suits and ties. And I didn't actually notice any phones. Interestingly enough, I didn't notice a lot of people doing phones. There were some in the crowd. I do know that, but it wasn't like, mm. you know, when they panned the camera that it was sporadic. It wasn't as yeah. probably like Dreamforce was. Lovely. Yeah. So yeah, we'll post that and, and then you guys can go check out Betty off headbanging. So I think it's hilarious. Yeah. I got to see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is this a short show today? No, I got more, man. You got more. Okay. Yeah. Surprisingly, I've been sick and everything. All of a sudden the floodgates open. Okay. So I guess this week uh, you can test drive Heroku Connect. Oh, is that still not available? Uh, it's available as a demo edition is what is the new announcement. So it's been available, but it, you could announce it a had, year ago. I think it's been available. And as a subscriber, as a developer who has a Heroku account, I'm assuming you could do that. You could use it. But I, for some reason, this article piqued my attention because it said it's a new demo feature or a new demo edition that you can, you can acquire and use. So now you can try it free, basically. Mm. So I'm not sure what strings are attached to it before or previous to this, but it sounds like they, they really want the community to start using it and checking it out. And so they now, they now have this new demo edition. I'm, I would like to check that out because I'm still curious as to how it is doing. It's updating you know, both your, I guess it's a Postgres database in Heroku, right? With, right. And the Salesforce database within the same transactions. Is like a remote transaction or... You know, what happens when something fails or there's a communicate, you know, something's, I don't know what they're doing there. But. Well, now you can get a free demo account and check it out. Now, the article says um, that the edition does have a row sync limit of 10,000 rows. Um, but all the other capabilities are enabled. So it's, it's more just kind of, I, I guess I would call them soft limits on just record counts and things like that. But you should be able to kind of test out all the other features that you need to test out. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to do that. We still have to do lightning, man. Uh, we're going to cover lightning right now, man. Nope. We're getting we more. Are. Yeah, the wheels are starting to turn. The betas are out. The pilots are coming out. The GAs are coming out. So we're starting to get collect more and more information. We have... Um, so I'm starting to see a little bit more information on Lightning Connect, which looks really interesting. Um, in fact, it brought up a technology that wasn't even on my radar, and I kind of feel bad about it. Have you... Do you know of OData? Well, yeah. So it, that, well, it's just, um, yes, I do know of OData. Okay. <laughs> I didn't for some reason, either I did and just forgot, or it just wasn't on my radar. So I'm feeling kind of like yeah, I'm what, turning uh, into a dinosaur, but essentially. For, well, they, they're calling it like, you can have, you can have custom objects that are actually stored somewhere else. No, right? no. Yeah. Well, te what, what it does is you have your OData service on top of whatever data source you have and, and whatever comes with that. That's of course an open source technology, which is kind of great. Um, and what it does is you connect to that service. Salesforce grabs the metadata from that service of those objects and creates virtual Salesforce objects out of it. So if you have a, an account object in your back office and there's an OData data service in front of that, 
you connect to it and now you can have an account object in Salesforce. And it does all this kind of cool virtualizing stuff. So you can have the IDs, you can have the information, you can have external lookups and things like that. And it basically kind of makes it appear like those are Salesforce objects in your org, which means you can consume them in your mobile applications and your reporting, your layouts and things like that, as long as you have access to them. I don't know what the, what the performance is like speed wise and things like that, since I haven't actually had a chance to enable one, but I'm getting there. But I, I, I think it's really cool. I really like it. It's kind of exciting to me to be able to see that. Cause I was curious, how, how are they going to connect to these other systems and how are they going to handle the issues of, you know, is that data going to be stored in Salesforce? Or is it going to be replicated? Is that going to affect your data limits and things like that? And it turns out, no, it's just going to be a pre-established connection to that system. But a lot of the work is being done for you as far as, you know, how to communicate with that service and get information in and out. So the, so the main problem will be then, uh, latency. Latency. And then of course, setting up the service on the front end. Now it is outdated, it is open source. And I'm sure there's other companies out there developed that already have connectors for things like SAP and maybe QuickBooks and who, whoever else is popular out there. But for any kind of homegrown tools and things like that, you might have to uh, build that service yourself. Do you remember, this reminds me of, uh, what did they call those apps or these little systems that would let you, oh, that you could bring in data from multiple systems onto one screen composite app. What do they call those? Um, there, there was a company that was, I remember on the, in the earlier days of Salesforce, you could do, I think it was composite app. So you would, you know, you might go to, uh, you know, a Salesforce account screen, but then below it would be these like related lists of things from other systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember what that was called. Well, this seems like the next, maybe that what that, um, has transitioned to. So I think that kind of died. Um, yeah. Uh, that company I'm thinking of went out of business, but yeah. Um, yeah. So now you can, you could kind of have that, right. You could have, let's say you have invoices in some, some other enterprise system, right. Mm-hmm. You could maybe have a related list under your accounts in Salesforce that are, you know, a related list of invoices, but those invoices are just queried real time from the other system. Right. And that that's, that's a good, probably 80% of the use cases we have out there for, for people who want to provide access to that information to their users. And it's, it's not in, it's not meant to be editable information. It's certainly not trying to create this, you know, parallel editing of records or anything like that. But at least from, from a reading perspective, being able to read and gain access to that information and make it available, it's, it's nice. And I can see how that's going to tie into Wave and you'll be able to do your analytics on that. So I can see how that, that's kind of coming together. And it seems well thought out enough that I think it's going to work really well. So it's read only? Um, I'm not sure if it is or not. I'm just saying that a lot, a lot of times the use cases, we have invoices in their system. We want to provide visibility to sales or to service to be able to follow up on it. They don't have to edit it here. They just need visibility to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because you, you get some new data types with it as well. You get these kind of external lookup fields. So you kind of get these external reference fields so that you can identify a field as having... So in a relational database, you have maybe accounts and contacts in that external system and you, te- you make it aware of, of the contact, but maybe it's not aware of that other system's con- account. And so you can enable these kind of external references so that that record can then go and grab the information for that parent record. And now it's available in Salesforce as well. Um, but there, you know, there's a lot of information coming out on it. There's new blog posts, there's new videos, there's um, webinars coming out. And of course, the they're doing a traveling roadshow, I think, right now with a lot of the developer groups to showcase a lot of the connect and the components, actually. 
Mm. And components you might actually like too. There's a new blog post actually today of a guy that was, um, who's it? Christoph Conrouts. Christoph Conrouts. I butchered your name, buddy. <laughs> I have no idea. Anyways, he was trying to figure out lightning and the components and decided to make a little quick app. And it's the Belgian Beer Explorer. And I know how, how you're a bit of a, a beer nerd. So you might want to check that out and play around with it. Maybe come up with your own library of beers and brewers. And the component seems pretty nice. I mean, it's, it's kind of what we expected. It's, it's a mixture of Apex with JavaScript and, of course, using the remoting tools for Apex. <clears throat> so I think that technology is coming together pretty nicely. And, and seeing that demo app, um, it was pretty interesting. Why did I get the wah, wah, wah? <laughs> That was me attempting to, to drop a marker where you coughed, but instead I hit the, hit the soundboard. <laughs> Uh, I've been doing maybe, pretty, every, maybe not every time you cough, I'll just play the sad trombone instead. There you go. <laughs> I was trying not to cough. I've been doing really well this whole episode of not coughing. So I'm kind of proud of myself. I'm hoping I get that kind of deep, you know, radio voice going here versus my usually kid sounding voice. <laughs> I think I sound like a kid on this thing. Mm, on this thing. I can give you some more bass, man. There you go. Make, make <laughs> me sound like James Earl Jones. I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here. I, I am your father. No, there, no, now you can just that, make that. That does not work. Maybe that maybe no, you just gotta add the effects uh, and everything. Uh, so that you, you lose. Make that. No, that, did, that did not work. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the, he's got a cadence that you have to master before you can do him. <laughs> uh so so yeah, we've got information coming out about lightning and now that now that I have it in my org and you know, I'm starting to spend some more time with it. You know, you know. I've kind of been disappointed in myself because I've been so focused on, on the short term of things, you know, trading dollars for hours and, and just kind of getting a paycheck that, you know, sometimes I forget to kind of go out there and spend some time researching some of the stuff, playing around with it, building it, doing some new things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's exciting to see some of this stuff finally coming out. So now I have something to go and play with and kind of do something other than just work. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure where Salesforce is going with some of the front end stuff. Um, the, the idea of having a unified UI across devices is, is appealing. If I can get away from visual force, unfortunately, uh, lightning seems to seem to be baked around visual force. Um, true, but I think you can almost treat, and it depends on your level of comfort. I think you can almost treat visual force as a container at, at, at that point, because now yeah, you have I mean, the components and you've got, you're doing a lot more Ajaxy stuff with that. I mean, you're still using Apex for the back end and and things like that. You know, you're remoting calls and things, but you, you have a little more flexibility. You're developing in a different language now. You're you're kind of getting JavaScript. Yeah, I think if if Visual Force is relegated to just being like the container that that carries all your HTML and JavaScript, then that's that's certainly much better than the current state of the art. There's a balance though, because you know, treating it as purely as a container is fine. But that means that you're doing more rendering on the client side. You're relying more on the clients, the performance of the of the client's machine, and all the. Oh, that's such an old argument, though. That that is that is that's not even the future. That is the present. I mean, everything is going to client rendering. True, but uh, we still got a lot of things going on with browsers. We still got a lot of different inconsistencies. You know, it's getting better with IE going away, and I'm really curious to see what this new browser that Microsoft is coming out with and what that's like and what that's going to do. Uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that pretty much everyone's either using Firefox or Chrome, or they at least have it installed. 
Um, so it's getting better. And, and the fact that those tools by default auto update and everyone's okay with that, uh, it's getting better. Yeah. But that's well, the only I mean, thing that what, concerns me is, but, is I'm going to do something and someone's going to be on IE9 and it's going to be the CEO of the company because he doesn't like computers and he turns his laptop on every once in a blue moon and I have to support that. Yeah, but that, that's really a problem whether you're doing server side or client side rendering. So it's, and I don't know that client side rendering makes it, I don't think it's any better or worse. Well, it does if you're doing dynamic markup and things like that. There are some, some areas where IE is kind of a pain in the butt. But uh, yeah, it's getting better. Yeah. It's getting better. That's all I got, man. Okay, so I said we'd talk about Salesforce's current uh, results. So they just released their Q4 2015 results, which uh, so that would be for the year that ended January 31st. Is that winter 2015? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I never know which release, what the release name is. See, company um, quarters should be seasonal. It just makes sense, right? I guess so. Um, okay. Salesforce soar. Okay. So first of all, they had, they, I guess announced exactly where they were supposed to be. Um, so meaning they broke even or they lost as much as people expected them to lose. They lost as much as people expect them to lose. Uh, they had like 14 cents a share in, let's see their net loss narrowed to 10 cents a share. So that must be gap. Mm-hmm. Um, revenue rose to 1.45 billion, which I think is, was exactly what was expected. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So they reported, okay. EPS of 14 cents, which is what was expected. Uh, estimate in revenue was 1.44 billion, which is exactly what they reported. Um, they said, so they're, they're guiding 2016 downwards. So they're already, they're, that's been expected that they would do that. So they're, they're providing ga- downward guidance on, on revenue for 2016. So again, I mean, we knew this was going to happen. Are they, they're, they're saying they're lowering the bar for, for this yeah, fiscal year. Yeah, the lowering expectations. Okay. Yep. But that being said, and after hours trading, they're almost, they're at 69.70. It's almost $70. Um, and they, they closed for the day. It's like 63, which was actually up. I mean, they, you know, if you look at the past couple of months, from when they dropped last time, they were up quite a bit, but now they're um, in after hours trading. They're almost at seventy. So that was that was a nice bump. Yeah, should have bought. You should have. Dang it! But, no, the, but then, I, then you would impact your journalistic integrity. Know, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't own any of these stocks, so yeah, I'm not biased. You might turn into a yin rather than a yang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're such a yang. Let's see if, there, let's see if there's any interesting. Uh, comments coming in here the the gap loss number is staggering um 275 million dollars in gap loss for the fiscal year yeah this whole gap thing they always i mean salesforce that's basically all they ever talk about is gap they really direct everyone to their gap numbers Mm -hmm. i'm sorry their non-gap numbers because the non-gap numbers don't take into account all the stuff they've been doing with their um stock-based compensation right basically not counting it as a, as a cost and gap requires you count that as a cost. So with them lowering expectations, do you think that's them setting things up for some additional acquisitions? No, that it's revenue expectations. So they're actually guiding that their revenue oh. growth rate is going to start tapering off. Oh, so, so they're saying that they might not grow as much this year. 
Correct. Ah. They, they're saying they won't grow as much this year. That their growth rate is not going to be the same that it has been. I mean, it's already gone from like, it, you know, it used to be 35%. And then I think most recently it was 28, 26 or 28%. And it's just, it's going to keep going. You know, you can't, can't sustain that growth rate for right. forever. So it but, might be, and, it might be a good year to buy then. And then maybe next year they'll kick it up a notch and make us some money. It could be. It's weird because the analysts are just all over the place with Salesforce. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's because Salesforce is a little bit unique in this regard. I mean, they're, you know, they're in software as a service and, and the way that software as a service, I mean, the, the metrics that you have to look at to evaluate a company's performance is, are completely different than, than so many, you know, than traditional companies that sold stuff and booked revenue immediately. So that's one challenge, but also, you know, again, the, the, the non gap game that Salesforce plays kind of throws everyone off and they don't, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to evaluate them. That's why you have some, depending on, you know, whether an analyst thinks that's a big deal or not, you get these really wide opinions on, I mean, just today I've seen, you know, you should buy, you should sell. What's our buddy, what's our buddy Kramer say on the subject? Or has, has he not had a chance to analyze things yet? I can't, I can't yell that loud in this office. Um, (laughs) I can't do a Kramer. No, I don't know what he has to say. Prom sure buy his buddy, his buddy, Mark Benioff. He thinks it's the best thing out in Silicon Valley. Yeah, but he's, he's got to explain the, the, the down, the, uh, lower of expectations, doesn't he? Or just, or just say, you know, pay attention to the, don't pay attention to the guy behind the screen. You know, <laughs> exactly. just, just keep buying. Uh, it can all be swept under the rug, John. Yeah. Don't you worry about that. Well, it? maybe um, now that Salesforce has released their, their, uh, their numbers, they'll start talking about other things. I don't know. It's been, it's been kind of, Salesforce has been really quiet. Just been a quiet few months. It's because they've been partying, man. I got partying with concerts. Metallica. <laughs> why don't we, why don't we part? Why don't we hire Metallica? Huh? We got an office now. We'll just pile them in there. Play Did you music. hear the part about it costing $500,000? Oh, that's chump change, man. <laughs> just Kickstarter it. <laughs> you, <laughs> Help us pay for a private party with Metallica. <laughs> All right. And by the way, you're not invited. <laughs> no, you're invited. If you, if you're the triple platinum premium, uh, I would say if you package. if you contribute, you could you can come. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But no, but if you're the triple triple platinum, you know, donor, then you know, you'll get a bottle of champagne when you arrive. Yeah. Uh, of course being triple platinum will cost you five hundred thousand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which will fund the concert. Yeah. Uh maybe we could call <clears> up our buddy Mark and see if he'll invite us to a Metallica party. Yeah, I mean at least that that'd be the simpler way to go. Like, you know, get it give us an invite, throw us an invite. Although I got to say, I'm kind of jealous. I mean, I've never gone to a company event where we had like a big band like Metallica play. It's usually either a DJ or a cover band. And <laughs> exactly. Hey, I've been to a private party with Emerald City playing. Does that count? Uh, I don't know who Emerald City is. Oh, okay. There I might recognize a song, but. They're a local band that's been around forever. Uh, nope, nope, nope. We got to make that happen, man. Mm. Aim for the sky. Aim for the sky. <laughs> All right. I think we're done. And to that, I say, good day, sir. Good day, sir. <laughs> Do you like cherries, sir? Thanks, Tim. Great to see you.